right. Looks like we got a turtle. All right. Promoted, promoted to the big leagues. Hey. All right. Good. Speaker. All right. Episode one off without a hitch already. Let's go, boys. Hey. Let's go. Turtle promoted from the sidelines right up from AAA to the majors here. So where I should be, boys. Uh, so how's your day going, guys? I mean, we're well into the night. What was uh, what was your days like? Laid back, anticipating the show. Oh man, I was I was in Miami all, all day doing an install for uh, one of my uh, one of my uh, companies I work with. Then I'm mm-hmm. back here, you know, at my house watching college uh, basketball and just hitting parlays over here. <laughs> Is that right? Trying. Oh, parlay life, man. We don't get that up in Massachusetts. No, I know you don't. Well, you could. You could use you could use some offshore account, and that's a fact. Yeah, man. I don't know. I, I had I I used to do that through uh, through a site, and uh, I I didn't have an issue with it. But I read a lot of people who got their accounts frozen up, and I I wasn't about to put any kind of money in that and, and deal with that nonsense. So. I, I don't blame you. No, just talk to me. Like, speaking of parlays, talk to me. What what's the what do the people put their good money on? Come Sunday night. Oh boy. I'm going. I'm going Rams. I'm going Rams. I think it's got to happen. I, I I think Rams money line's where it's at. Rams money line. Okay. And you want to know why? It's because all of the public money is on Bengals plus three, and I don't think that it will slap. So do you Aaron believe- Donald. Aaron Donald MVP. Aaron Donald MVP. And and if if and this is a big if if the Bengals do win. It's going to be Evan McPherson, MVP. Four field goals, three 50-yarders, and a game-winning kick. Wow, you heard it here first. So there you go. So here's the the highest it takes. This is what I've seen, is you can – there is a prop bet. You can do any position other than QB to win MVP. And I think it was like plus 260 odds or something like that. that. So not crazy. Not crazy plus, but there you go. My smart money, I would go take the points with the Bengals, parlay it with the under. We're going to see a defensive battle. We got a good, excellent, really, St. Louis. uh, St. Louis, there we go. L.A. Ram defense. Yeah, living Uh, in the past, man. They're going to be winning for St. Louis. And, I don't know, a pretty sus offensive line. I like Burrow. I love Burrow. Who doesn't, right? If yeah. you like swag, you like Burrow. But um, is he going to be able to put up the numbers? I don't know. I got to think they're going to blanket Chase. If anyone, it's going to have to be Higgins that's going to pop. We'll see what happens. Yeah, but, but you're talking about swag, man. I mean, Burrow's on, on one side, but you got the original swag on the other side. You remember uh, Freddie, Freddie Stafford? Back in the day, hmm. all those pictures. I was I was reading an article today about Freddie Stafford and how he was the original original cool QB, right? And you, you can go back and look at some pictures of him, you know, hanging out, drinking beers, you know, being one of the dudes. <laughs> yeah, crooked teeth, so much swag. Never had to get braces, unlike me, to straighten them. Speaking of swag, let's hit that intro music and we'll jump into it. I look real good today. 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 Jumping out the motherfucking Bentley. Rolly in a gas and new Balenci's. Walking with a pocket full of Benji's. I'm a 10 piece. All right. All right. So welcome in. Episode one, boys. We're kicking it off. We're looking good today. I hope so anyway. I love that commercial. (laughs) for the listeners we'll we'll save them they got our mugs up here they got brian they got matt and they got turtle aka millie wop that's davis mills (laughs) in the thumb print in the thumb icon there just call me daddy long neck oh don't 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 get me started he he may be one of my uh my uh 
winter Olympic uh, favorites today. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we'll get into it, guys. Uh, so let's introduce the the show, uh, a, a show that when we're looking around the fantasy podcasting space, something that we don't really see, something that we see most shows kind of shy away from, and that's talking about their specific league that they're in. And and a lot of these guys, you know, they're talking in general. They have that one home league, that one family league, the first money league they were in that they care the most about. They're in these expert leagues. They're working, you know, the CBS or the ESPN War Room League that you you hear us talked about. They really care about a league or two that they've been in for a long time. And that's what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about our leagues. Um, we're going to lean towards dynasty mostly, but we'll, we'll talk redraft. We'll keep it fresh for the listeners. Um, this episode, we'll talk about dynasty. It's something that we've all got into and are, are pretty darn avid about. And what we think the listeners can, can learn as they listen and as they come to know each of us and the guest speakers we'll have on the show is just like their league. Each owner is going to be different. Management style, approach to the game, how they buy into hype, how they buy into um, bad reports. Is there some savvy buy low, sell high? Is there someone who you know likes the hometown team? Is there someone who loves trading, averse to trading, things like that? We got it all in our fantasy football league. And we want to kind of talk about our management styles from a persona perspective, the listeners can latch on to the style that they believe is most like them, hear about what we're doing week to week, how we're thinking, what we just saw on Sundays as they come through, how we're working through rookie minicamp, how we're looking at the the draft and landing spots, and kind of incorporate that into their upcoming season and their manager's file. So we'll start with Dynasty because we're sitting here in February. And that, that's what Dynasty Leagues are. Those are the ones that are active right now. Those are the folks who are sticking around all year long looking for that one piece of news. The Braxton Berrios wants $9 million bucks. What are you going to do, right? Is it like, wow, if he lands that contract, that's a buy. Uh, if, you, if you're the Berrios holder, do you want to maybe capitalize that on his hot market potentially and sell? What can you get, right? So learn a little bit about us. That will come and maybe take a little bit from someone else who you don't really relate to, but maybe you don't talk to the folks in your league, articulate the viewpoints, maybe for competitive purposes. I understand that, but we're all super competitive, but we also like to talk about the game. We like to get better at it. And sometimes that's taking a little bit of someone else's strategy, incorporating it into yours and helping you evolve as time goes on. So that's really what we want to accomplish with this show. We hope you have a good time and laugh a little bit while you're doing it. And to kind of kick things off, we got uh, a segment that we'll do each time. Turtle, one of the main um, speakers that will be here each and every week, has a segment that we're calling Turtle's Top 3. We'll explore different things throughout the year, but right now, since we're talking dynasty offseason, let's talk about the top three things, Turtle, you're setting out and wanting to accomplish this dynasty offseason. Oh, absolutely. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate the uh, introduction. Happy to be here. You know, it's something that I've definitely wanted to do for a long time, and I'm glad we have a platform to do it on now. But I would yeah. say, get right into it as far as what I want to accomplish in this in this uh, dynasty offseason. First things first, I'm notorious for giving away my picks early in the season. So that's something I'm trying to button up as much as I possibly can. I see it firsthand with some of the teams in our league. And these kids are just giving up all their picks and not acclimating any back. So they're going to be hurting unit in the next couple of years. So that's something that I'm trying to focus on and do better at. It's nice to get the the brand new car, but it's nice to get the younger player and the better asset in the long term. And that's really what I want to try to focus on. Oh, you're, you're talking my language, man. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And it's so tough, it's tough for me. It's tough for me because I rather, I love having a guy like Devonte or a guy like Tyreek on my team. And like, who knows how many more years they have. It seems like at least three minimum mm-hmm. of elite years, but 
you got to start at some point, start thinking into the future. That's true. So, so if we pause there before we go on to number two in the top three, Brian, when you hear Turtle say that, does it scare you a little bit? You're you're the king of that strategy. You maybe have the most draft capital of any person who's ever been in a dynasty league. Hmm. What are you sitting hmm. with in capital of 22, 23, and 24 drafts? Why don't you just tell the listeners? Yeah, so right now I'm looking at, uh, at nine picks, nine first-round picks uh, between uh, 22, 23, 24. So this year I'm looking at the 101, the 103, and the 109. Uh, next year, I'm holding five of those elite 2023 first rounders, those highly coveted elite players that are going to be coming into the league. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, I, you know, I haven't really started getting into 2024 yet. You know, I, I really wanted to stock up in 2023 and 2022 and, you know, build out uh, build out the youth of my roster. You know, I mean, I, I mean, you know. It's not like I, uh, I'm hurting it in any one position. I mean, besides, uh, you know, my, my zero running back strategy. But uh, yeah, well, we'll, we'll get into all that. There's, there's certainly going to be listeners who, who love the zero RB, who embrace it, or have gone to a modified RB strategy. Um, you'll hear it called hero RB, uh, whatever, whatever the cool kids are calling it nowadays. Uh, Brian certainly embraced that strategy to the max. Uh, and I don't mean the hero RB, I mean the zero RB strategy, but we'll certainly get into the different things as, as time goes on of, of how you can approach a dynasty startup. What do you do year one? Uh, how do you set yourself up for success long-term? Cause year one, let's face it, it's a redraft league. What you do after year one, it's all up for grabs, right? It's, it's, <laughs> you're really, you're putting on your GM hat and may the best GM win to really, truly create that dynasty. Who's going to be in that final four year after year after year? That's what we're looking for. So, Turtle, let's swing it back to you. There's a lot more there that I started thinking about as we were just talking about number one with you and Brian. Uh, But we only got so much airtime tonight. Love that we're going to have a lot more content as we go on. But let's talk about what you do, this what you really want to do or accomplish this dynasty offseason number two, yes, what do you got? Definitely. So I'll just give you a quick breakdown of my uh, my running backs because that's really what I want to try to focus on. So right now I have Elijah Mitchell, Travis Etienne, AJ Dillon as my and, and Saquon actually as my four main running backs. Now what I really want to do and what my goal will be over this offseason is to flip one or two of those into one of those elite wagon running backs a Jonathan Taylor a DeAndre Swift um or Najee you know I don't want to give up so much I would like to play pay fair market value on one of those guys but that is 100 percent my my goal for this for this offseason I want to have that that guy that you know is going to be there every single week 20 plus points a game consistently for a few years yeah so, so you've gone, you've, you've made a strong roster top to bottom. You don't feel you've got any weaknesses, but now you want to go and you want to say, well, damn it, I got one of the top three guys at that hard to find elite position, which is running back, which is essentially a carousel throughout the year of who's fallen off either with performance, injury. You just want to go and say, I got a top three guy. I don't got to worry about that. Let me stress and tweak the other positions on my roster. Yeah, and and I'll tell you what the Saquon, the Saquon Barkley, and the Elijah Mitchell are the things are the two players that stress me out the most. Just because obviously Saquon has been extremely underwhelming. He will be he'll be two years removed from his ACL injury, so hopefully that will have an effect with Dabble coming in. That will be a positive. And Elijah Mitchell, as we all know, people have this really. Um, set in stone mindset about how Shanahan runs his offense. Hopefully he proved enough to actually have Shanahan give him a shot for next year. But yeah, I agree. You're always going to, you're always going to have that owner. Uh, and I mean, your, your fellow dynasty owners who are going to look at the current San Fran running back and say, well, that's a plug and play position. Yep. Brian, did you have a counterpoint there? Yeah. I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm reading a lot of reports out there and, and I, I, uh, Mike, uh, who's the new Miami coach? Um, that's McDaniel. Yeah. McDaniel. How, 
I'm, I'm reading a lot of uh, reports that he was really the mastermind behind that running game out in San Francisco. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see if that's uh, if it's a product of Shanahan or if it was a product of him. Yeah, I mean, I know, I know with Elijah Mitchell when he was healthy and he gave and he got his chance, he was touching the ball 20 times a game, and they weren't splitting carries with their backup running backs, Jeff Wilson and Sermon, obviously, who was pretty uh, healthy, scratched in IR the whole year. Um, but it still, it still definitely scares me a little bit. So I got to look into that, maybe try to flip him to uh, a, a team that's uh, trying to rebuild but has a nice running back on there. Yeah, we sh- we should certainly you know talk trade in a in a future segment. We should do some uh, you know for the listeners how to go about trading. What does a package look like, um, especially in dynasty? Comboing your first two points is you can certainly upgrade by comboing picks with with a inferior player, right? Yeah. But if you're trying to preserve that long term capital, how else do you go about it? Different topic for a different day. Why don't you hit us with number three? Oh, number three is just to build a strong enough uh, team that I just become a top three player in this league year in and year out. I mean, I, I really see these dynasty uh, structures in, in, in years of three. I think going anything above that is kind of crazy just because, you know, the NFL has so much turnaround. But if I can compete for the next three years without having to touch my roster too much, I'll be a happy guy. Yeah, I mean, probably a topic for future talk, future conversations is, uh, you know, when is the right time to sell those guys? Because you know, you, you got to balance this line of, all right, I'm building this this top to bottom dominant roster so that I can win, but but at what cost, right? Like, do I have to go acquire that one year guy? Is is am I going to give a first round pick to get DeAndre Hopkins this year, right? And uh, and and you know take the one or, or one and a half years that he has left of, of wide receiver one production to, to get me over that hump. Right. Cause mm-hmm. you know, yeah, it's not you, it's probably going to be somebody else. It will be. And that's the, and that's the other thing in this league. It's like, you don't want to see the teams that are the strongest teams in the league, getting the players that are going to put them over the top because then it really makes it harder and harder to compete each year. <laughs> yeah. Matt. And that, um, yeah. and that, that's an important thing for the listeners to know, right? The, the important thing, and and don't feel like you're in a uh, a dynasty league that's broken or anything. Traditionally, what you're going to see, and you can fact check this if you don't believe the three of us, you're going to see six teams usually are competing for those top three spots are in our league. The top three spots make money. So that's why we're talking top three. Obviously everyone wants to win, but if you're placing top three and you're in that mix, you're playing those final two weeks of the season, week 16, week 17 with the altered schedule. Now you can have confidence that your team is built most likely for the long haul, unless you went all in for a year, you'll have over time, those people who are on the peripheral, the the teams in seventh and eighth just missing it, maybe going seven and seven in the regular season. As they get more acclimated with Dynasty, they'll realize the first team that sees that they're not strong enough to get into the playoffs, and then once you're in the playoffs, anything can happen. Hmm. They'll be able to sell their assets for the most. And you'll start to get that balance where it's it's oil and water. You'll have six competing and six folks essentially well, now I'm I'm stocking up the gun room for for next year's war, right? Um, it's an interesting it, it's an interesting dynamic. But when you talk about you don't want to see the teams um, getting that elite player, it's really the 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 competing teams for that year, right? Because if if I'm sitting at the bottom and I see one of the top teams throw away their draft capital for the DeAndre Hopkins, well, chances are it could be to me he's throwing that draft capital. So every side of the transaction, there's another party who has a different viewpoint. A a really good um, segue for a future show about trade drama because we're talking trades right there. And uh, our league has plenty of it, but we'll we'll talk about that at a different time as well. So, you know – uh, just to to wrap up the segment, any any final thoughts there, Brian Turtle? Anything else you want to throw in? Accomplishments for the Dynasty offseason, or are we good to move on? 
Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think uh, I think Tyler's already got a top three squad in the league. So if he can hit on a couple of those things, even even one or two of those things, I think he's going to be set up well for the future. So let's talk league, right? Let's move into the league overview, right? We wanted to, episode one, let the listeners know a little bit about how our league is set up and structured. We're talking a little bit about our teams. We should probably give the folks a little bit of a rundown. Um, starting with, uh, the settings, right? Pretty standard. These are, these are what I would feel we would recommend to those listening that if they were to structure a dynasty league to do it in a similar fashion, right? Settings, pretty standard. 25 man rosters. You'll see that fluctuate mostly with leagues you're invited to 25 to 30 man. We have 10 starting spots and we have 15 bench. Our IR is five spots large when covid does get out of control we open up and we flex another five ir spots so it could be a maximum of 10 the first five spots are always reserved for covid19 slash actually hurt people pup ir etc the spots six to ten are only usable for covid19 spots so that way you don't have someone just you know, mass accumulating assets. Uh, from For a starting lineup, we're super flex. I generally think that is the best format. And I think, you know, in, in a few years, we'll, we'll, we won't see one QB as the standard anymore. Obviously, that is going to quickly happen as soon as the major providers, your Yahoo's, your ESPN's, your CBS, your NFL, if they switch their standard settings to super flex, the whole industry will change, but but I feel we're a little bit ahead of the game there. Dynasty is an arms race for long-term elite assets, and that usually comes in the form of, aside from QBs, wide receivers. So we put an extra emphasis as we constructed our league on having good wide receivers by having three WR starter slots. We have the standard two RB slots, it's really hard if you want to try to start three RBs. Some teams in our league have done it very successfully, but that's using two of the open flex spots. So we have two WRT flexes, a single tight end, and of course the super flex. So there you go. QB, two RB, three wide receiver, a single tight end, two flex, WRT flex, and then the super flex. Now the one unique scoring part of our league is it's half point PPR. Tight ends is what our version of tight end premium is called. Usually tight end premium is 1.5 times um, the PPR of another position. Ours, we just doubled it. So instead of half point, it's a full point PPR for tight ends. And quite frankly, guys, let's segue into a little chat about that. It really didn't, you know, make more tight ends usable, I found. You got your elites. It's not like there's a bunch of tight ends out there catching, you know, 10 balls for 50 yards like they're a slot receiver. Uh, You still got a lot of six-point games. Uh, You're just praying for that touchdown. I mean, it's it's great to have a good tight end asset, but it was our first year doing tight end premium. I didn't see a big difference. What did you guys think? Agreed fully. I mean, at one point of the year, I was starting starting Hawkinson and Kelsey every week up until Hawk got hurt. And honestly, you're right. Nobody in nobody uh, at the position is catching even eight eight balls a game. So, you know, it doesn't make a huge difference. I honestly think that the uh, the wide receivers and the quarterbacks play the most important role in our uh, in our settings. And I think having the the elite quarterbacks and the elite wide receivers is the biggest thing you can you can focus on. Look at look at the guy who won our league, you know? Corey yeah. had two elite quarterbacks and a bunch of elite wide receivers, so it, it seems to uh, it seems to be a good uh, place to yeah. focus on. He, he also it. let's let's caveat that by saying he had Jamar Chase, of course, but he was also blessed with that fifty burger in the championship, yeah. and a lot of teams were blessed with that. I think if he didn't have that, the uh, the underdog would have definitely pulled off the upset. But you're right. It's it's nice to have that ace in the hole. Yes. Yeah, I'm looking at uh, just on the league right now, right? Darren Waller was 
top receptions on the year with 102, Kelsey 96, George Kittle 87, Hawkinson 85, Pitts 84, and then you know you really get into that next tier of uh, you know Mark Mark Andrews at 76, but he he sort of overcame with touchdowns, right? Same with Gronk, but you know once you get below those top five guys, I mean it it falls off pretty quickly. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, I went for a dumpster dive in both redraft and in dynasty with Dawson Knox. It was a hit, but do I feel super safe with my tight end position? No, you don't got a top five guy. You feel like you don't have the positional advantage, but the optics of it are you're no worse than more than half of the other folks in your league. So while you're at a slight disadvantage, it's just that a slight one. So yeah, I, I, I like the setting though, right? I mean, I, I thought it, it, it sort of evens, maybe not from like a a scoring standpoint, but I think it evens the playing field a little bit on a trading standpoint, right? I mean, it, it it pulls the tight end position up to where they have a little bit more value in those trades. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so even if you you don't have one of those, you know, top five, top six guys, right? There's there's still value in grabbing, you know, a tight end. Uh, you know, in a trade and, and, and maybe even it's an opportunity in our league to, uh, you know, to, to fleece somebody and, and get a guy that they may not look at as being that, you know, that helpful asset, but it may help you even if it's on a bye week Yeah. No, it's a, it's a, it's a good point. It's definitely a good point. Now the, the classic debate that you're going to hear about, you know, scoring in, in PPR is, Oh, this guy, he caught a ball for, you know, behind the line of scrimmage and was tackled negative three yards in fantasy. He nets a point seven point gain or you have, you know, Cole Beasley, maybe not this year, but years past 10 balls, 13 balls, nets 58 yards. It goes for in a, if you caught 10 balls for 58, you're talking about a 15.8 point game. That's a good week if you're starting Devontae Adams. Not a great week, but it's a good one. Um, And people don't feel that the performance and the box score is commensurate with the value that that person might hold in fantasy. But we got to remember, guys, it's a game. You got to do the best, I feel, within your league and the the members within your league to have the most fun. And sometimes having the most fun is having the largest available pool of players, right? Right. And to Brian's point, that could be for a bye week. That could be because you want to start an extra slot and next year you want to move from starting eight positions to nine or nine to ten scoring positions. The way to do that without feeling like you're starting bums is to alter and tweak your scoring system. So we tried that with the tight end. I think it's around to stay. It's really hard actually in the dynasty format to unwind any scoring or setting rules. That's probably a point that we should make. But, um, yeah, so settings, scoring, uh, rosters, any any comments on that? Or should we talk a little bit about the league members? I think we're good on that. Okay, so if we were to talk about the league members, um, we got a group of guys who have been playing together for a long time. Uh, everyone's got each other's numbers. Uh, we celebrate things in terms of folks getting engaged, folks having kids. Um, holidays, uh, there's, there's good banter at all times. There's, you know, there's moments of drama. We're going to get there, but that makes half the league fun. Um, the, the main thing is we have a good core knowledge of the sport. And I would say 10 out of 12 people, you know, we got some folks in there that are not as avid, right? But they're, they've been there for a long time and they know the guys in the league. And that might be better than the street knowledge is to know some of your opponents, right? So if um, I just want to speak for myself, I think we wanted to give you a little bit of light into, you know, our personas. I'll first start by walking you through my team. Um, so in the, the, the QB one spot, I, I'll preface it by saying I got nine out of 10 guys I feel confident about. QB one, Justin Herbert. Starting RBs, Najee Harris and Antonio Gibson. Starting three wide receivers, Justin Jefferson, Chris Godwin, Michael Pittman. And I'm big on the Michael Pittman year three breakout. Buy low if you can, but I think that window might have passed. 
Uh, starting tight end, as I mentioned, Dawson Knox. Starting two flexes, I'm a big wide receiver guy. Also, RBs are hard to come by and stay healthy. I got Hollywood Brown. And, well, it's a jumble at that second flex. Tony, um, Christian Kirk, you know, kind of take your pick. I got Logan Thomas as a second, who I like to, you know, sometimes use if he's catching a bunch of balls. And my second QB, I held the bag this past year on a one Tom Brady, the GOAT, retiring. So instead of having Tom Brady and Justin Herbert for a championship run season, I have Justin Herbert and Maddie Ryan, a.k.a. Wiener Crayon. So, <laughs> so it's tough. It's tough. I'm trying to compete with these gorillas, these great teams. And uh, as Turtle said, no one wants to trade a QB. But, hey, it's Dynasty. Who does want to give up an elite asset? you got to overpay if you want to get them. I'm the guy over there hawking my goods around, actually willing to overpay for once. You'll learn that I'm not a big lose-in-a-trade kind of guy. Uh, but everyone's you know, staying tight with their assets. But we're only in February. We'll see if those purse strings loosen a little bit as time goes on. My approach to the game is pretty pragmatic. I like to look and um, with my eyes watch how a player plays and make decisions based off what I see. Um, I, I won't tell you that I break down NFL film with any level that would uh, get me a job on even you know a college team. But I do know routes. I do know schemes. I understand watching speed jump off a page uh, or, or on a screen. And uh, I like to go deep into offensive philosophies. The, the comment Brian made earlier about Mike McDaniels had my mind running a little bit based off um, what San Fran would look at, would look like rather in the running, running uh, backs moving forward. And I like to apply that to my team. Um, so I like to kind of back a couple horses that other people might not like and go for it. I have my favorites, just like everyone else does of the, the can't miss superstars. Um, and I like to do a little bit about what we're trying to emphasize on this show is I listen to my favorite podcasts and I like to take a little bit from each of them. I don't agree with a hundred percent of what I hear on anyone, but I like to take those little tidbits and incorporate into my strategy, something that we're hoping to emphasize here by talking how we're doing things and reacting once the season gets underway, uh, you'll see how each of our minds and our gears are turning, and we want you to kind of take that and run with it in your leagues as well. Brian, why don't you walk us through a little bit about um, your team and maybe your overall approach and philosophy to the game? Yeah, let, let me tell you about Bust King, right? All right. Current, current <laughs> name, right? That's uh, that's that's the the one, right? So well, that's starting, the inside joke because no, you got all these assets, and people are just predicting that you're going to pick those first round rookies who bust. I know, I know, Trey Sermon, man, still you got to prove him wrong. I, 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 I still thank Corey every day for taking that guy off my hands, but mm-hmm. so starting QB one, I have Mister Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Running back, so we alluded to earlier, I am the king of zero RB, and uh, and that's reflected in my running back room because the only two guys I got on my roster are Rashad Penny and Boston Scott. <laughs> Literally the only two guys. Um, <laughs> and there's no, there's nothing on free agency to pick up, or uh, we, we we gobbled up any appetizer. <laughs> I, I I'm too busy uh, I'm too busy picking up Tom Brady. Hoping for that San Francisco one year <laughs> trade. Yeah. So who knows? Who knows? Hey, one we'll man's see. crash. That's right. That's right. Uh, wide receiver room. We have uh, Stefan Diggs. Welcome to the team. Recent recent trade acquisition. Uh, we have future wide receiver one DJ Moore, uh, the true Moon Man Darnell Mooney, uh, tight end one Kyle Pitts, mm. and we got Mister Canada himself Chase Claypool. And similar situation to Matt, my uh, my my second flex position is a is a rotating position. Right now, I have uh, old man Jones, Marvin Jones, sitting there. But uh, we've got Juju on the bench. We've got Michael Gallup when he gets healthy again. We've got 
the the young angel Gabriel Davis. We got Rondell Moore. All those young assets plus three first rounders this year, right? Mm. So we'll see. We'll see who ends up there. Might you know? Might have to grab running backs. We'll see. I don't know. Yeah. And then uh, super flex position, we have uh, the uh, the gazelle himself, Lamar Jackson. Okay. So. Um, yeah, a little bit about me, right? I'm, uh, I'm East coast dad, right? So my Sundays are not typically sitting in front of the TV, watching a ton of football, right? I I might get a game in, I'm, I'm working on my kids. I really want them to, uh, to love the game as much as I do. Uh, I've got a, got a three and a half year old daughter and a one year old son. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm working on them, right. Getting them in front of the TV, talking to them a little bit about what's happening, um, you know, hoping that Sundays uh, in the next couple of years can open up and I can sit and watch a game or two. But right now, that's not the case. So, you know, my scouting, my research is uh, it's it's really podcasts, right? It's podcasts. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you know, it's taking advantage of some of those platforms out there like uh, like Dynasty Nerds, like Fantasy Pros, you know, listening to some of that analysis. And then, you know, when I have time, make, drawing my own conclusions and uh you know, deciding what works best for me. Um, you know, like, uh, like, like Matt said, like Tyler said, right. I'm, I'm flush with assets. Right. So, you know, year one, I, I actually started my year one in rebuild, right. I, I went into year one, not competing because I wanted to build up on those young assets and, you know, maybe not compete the first year, maybe, uh, maybe have a semi-decent team second year, but really look towards year two and three and, 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 you know, onwards and trying to build out that, that dynasty roster. And I was willing to sacrifice that first year to get there. So um, very valid strategy, you know, to, for, for the listeners, you know, it's, uh, I wouldn't say it's any strategy that's pushed more than others that it's encouraged, but it is a very, you know, sink the first year. Uh, we're playing the long game. It's the marathon, not the sprint and set yourself up for multi-year success. Um, I got to give it to you, Brian. I think you did a good job. You got a lot of strong spots. It won't be easy, especially with this RB class, to maybe fill some of those holes. But um, if you're checking seven out of ten boxes, well, you're checking a lot more than a lot of other teams in the league. So yeah, like like start. you said, man, I just got to be in that top six, and then anything happens. So mm-hmm. you know, it's all it's it's fifty percent skill, fifty percent luck. Yes, yeah. sir. So, Turtle, you told us you gave us an insight into your RBs. Talk to us about the rest of your roster, uh, especially how you're approaching the all important QB position this year that we've been talking about today. Well, yeah, I mean, let me let me preface this by saying just uh, if any of you guys haven't tried Sleeper out, it is the greatest. You can give all of your players nicknames, and it just makes everything that much better. This isn't a plug for Sleeper at all, but I felt like I might I needed to say that. Hashtag not a sponsor. It is great. <laughs> But so as far as my QBs, I went an extremely young route. I have Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and Davis Mills sitting on my bench. Mm. I went real young. Mm-mm. I have to pray that these guys pan out to what people think they're going to be and live up to their potential, or I'm going to have to start from scratch. I do think that both of those guys will be eventually top 15, top 12 to 15 quarterbacks. Uh, especially if they get the right coaching in there, sure. Like they have, um, so that's my quarterbacks. You know, I, I feel I feel okay with it. Um, I think my strongest suit by by far is my wide receiver core. I have the Wiley vets, but the elite Wiley vets. I have Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams, so I feel very confident about that for the next few years. And then I got my young elite asset in AJ Brown, who, you know. He shows us what he can do week in and week out when he can stay on the field. So we just got to pray. I just got to pray that he stays healthy for a full season. Mm-hmm. Um, plus, I have I have two early first-round picks this year, which I feel very confident about because I know that the wide receiver class is very strong. So I'm hoping that a few of them slip down, this, slip down the board to me and I can just replace Devontae and Tyreek for the next bunch of years. Yeah, I, we're all just trying not to draft this year as in Keel Harry or Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Yeah, you know, clear one hundred ones who at the end of the day, poof, man, talk about being excited for a one hundred one leading up to the draft. It's clear cut who you're going to take. 
Yeah. And then that's what you get. So you're sitting at the 105 and the 106. Your strategy is, as it stands right now here on, in February, I'm, I got to replace some of the old heads at the wide receiver long term. Yeah, I, I think I, uh, for the most part, I shoot from the hip. You know, I, I go with guys that I like. I go with guys that have proven success on the field. And then I take my shots on the guys who I think have high potential. You know, it's not it's not the zero RB strategy. It's not some of these other strategies that are out there. But I think uh, it's effective, and uh, I'm just going to keep riding it until the wheels fall off. All right. So there you have it, folks. You got three different personas. We're going to meet more as as uh, subsequent episodes are released. But you got me, Matt. Maybe the more um, diving into a lot of data, looking at a lot of film, trying to apply that as best I could. You got the East Coast dad, just like he is with his kids. He's taking the cautious approach. He's not making any knee-jerk reactions or trades or anything like that. He's thinking it out. He's the guy you text wanting to get that trade done, and he's going to say, all right, great, I'll sleep on it. And then you got Turtle, the sharpshooter, Wild Wild West, shooting from the hip, alternating strategies as he goes, but always staying current with what's hip. It's going to be interesting to hear about some of the other folks, especially if we can get the champ on, uh, see what his approach is from a dynasty perspective, you know, in the future. Somebody Who knows if he's going to let us. <laughs> yeah, we'll see if we can get on the calling app to begin with. But all right, that's a little bit about the league. We'll talk more, as I said, as time goes on. But let's have a little. We're in February. We got it's a little bit of a lull sports right now. You got the Winter Olympics on TV, right? So. Brian's going to walk us through five. I believe it's five, Brian. It's five. We got five fantasy footballers and what Olympic event they are most like or in your mind, their playing style, what they do in fantasy football, how it's most like an Olympic event. Why don't you break us right into that? If I had a sound drop to cue that, cue that Olympic music, I certainly would have programmed it. <laughs> so I don't know if you guys realize this, but as I was doing a little bit of uh, Olympic sport research, uh, winter has 15 categories of sports, right? And obviously you have a bunch of different, uh, you know, you have you have men, you have women, you have, uh, you know, some team sports, but 15 categories of sports. In the Summer Olympics, we're talking 46 different categories of sports. So... I actually ended up grabbing uh, grabbing one uh, Summer Olympics game, but it's still in the spirit of the Olympics here. So let's let's kick it right off, right? Let's do it. And I think uh, I think it's relevant right now. And, and the first player I'm going to talk about is uh, it's somebody with a lot of a lot of potential. Um, you know, never really never really fulfilled it. Um, maybe one season, but that's that's Will Fuller, right? Mm. And Will Fuller is. The Russian Olympic Committee, right? <laughs> They've got tons of talent. They always seem to have have people in the sport. But you know what? They're probably using PEDs. There you go. They're, they're all drugged. Down, <laughs> I knew that man. was coming. Yeah, yeah. So you know, you, you got to worry about him. You know, you, you, he's he's that guy. He's always injured, and uh, you know, if, if they're drug testing this week, you might want to leave him on your bench. So yeah, and uh, we should we should do a quick uh, we should do a quick nickname check in the sleeper league. He had a funny one this year. Although actually, now that I think of it, he just changed teams, so the the uh, the nickname might have went away. But this year, Will Fuller in sleeper again. Hashtag our sponsors. Nickname was Pull My Finger. <laughs> <laughs> so the next uh, next guy we're going to talk about here. Um, He's that he's that guy that you he always seems to finish in the the top of the wide receiver column, but you know you, you never really feel quite 
good about having him on your roster, and that's Tyler Lockett, right? Mm. Tyler Lockett is, uh, you know, what what I'm going to call him is uh, is Super G Ski Racing, right? And I toyed around with a couple couple sports here for him, but I settled on Super G, right? And I don't know if you guys are familiar with Super G. I don't tell racing. us about it. So there's there's three categories of ski racing, right? You got the slalom, which is the quick turns. You got the giant slalom, which is in the middle and then you got super g right and super g is this big steep hill and these guys are going fast i'm talking 80 miles an hour fast like no joke right and that's tyler lockett because when he hits man you're talking 20 25 30 even 40 points sometimes right that's great he's blessing you on those weeks he's blessing you it's great but if he catches an edge if he falls man he is breaking somebody's bones and most mm. likely yours, right? Because you're going to get six, seven, eight point weeks and that's not going to do it for you, right? Damn you. Damn you, Freddie Swain. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, if, if he doesn't hit, it's probably going to hurt, mm. you know? So so Tyler Lockett, Super G Ski Racing. Super G. Okay. Yeah. Next guy. This one might trigger Tyler a little bit, right? But we're going to talk about the white ninja himself, Davis Mills. My boy. (laughs) Davis Mills. And Davis Mills is the Jamaican bobsled team. (laughs) (laughs) It's a great underdog story, guys. We all Mm -hmm. love him, right? We've all seen cool runnings. Mm -hmm. we, we, We know him. But they're probably not the winners. He's probably not the guy, right? I mean, he's there. He showed up. Is he going to be the long-term answer there in Houston? I don't think so, right? So, so if, Davis, we, uh, if we pause for a second, interesting current event. Uh, Lovey Smith was asked today about Deshaun Watson potentially coming back. And um, going on with cool runnings, let's just say he had a very cool response, kept it cool under pressure. And, uh, you know, basically said, long and short, we're evaluating all our positions. Didn't say no, didn't close the door. Got to still got to say, it's going to be hard to see if he's back. But uh, just an interesting tidbit from uh, today's news conference out in Houston. Nice. If I could say one thing about my boy Davis Mills, it's that he was a a five-star recruit coming into college. And, you know, he's got the talent. We just got to see if he gets an opportunity to actually do it. If not, you know what? He'll be a great backup quarterback in the NFL. I think you need to change his uh, his name to Littlefoot. I don't know if you guys get that reference, but that's a land before time oh, reference. Of course. <laughs> my, my girl Petrie. Of course. That's right. That's right. Look at that neck. Look at that neck. Though. Look at that neck. So Davis Mills, Jamaican bobsled team. Uh, next one, we're going to talk about a, a coach that uh, that actually might impact a couple of guys in the league, right? So um, I'm going to talk about Adam Gase, right? Ooh. And this is where I'm going to pivot to summer sports, right? Because talking about Adam Gase, you got to p- talk about a sport that that's really just what the actual hell. And the sport I'm talking about is trampoline. <laughs> so... First off, who that's a thing. You're not lying to us. I'm not lying. No, trampoline is an Olympic event. So first, first off, right. Set Adam Gase aside. Like, who came up with that? Right. I mean, I got to imagine you're talking about the gym, the gymnasts who couldn't quite make the team that said, you know what, we still want to be in it. Right. Let's jump on a trampoline and call that an event. Right. (laughs) And their parents had a bunch of money. Listen, I can't do gymnastics. I'm sure they do great flips and stuff, but that's not an Olympic event. And you know what? Why the hell is Adam Gase still in the NFL? What has he done? He's ruined the Jets. He's ruined the Dolphins. And you know what, Pats fans? I wouldn't be feeling too confident. Oh, my God. I got the stress stress in my belly just thinking about it. <laughs> Adam, Adam Gase. The old trampoline. Wow, what the hell? <laughs> and to finish it up here, we're going to talk about the one true king, Derrick Henry. Wow. Wow. And the sport that he reminds me of the most is these snowboarders in the half pipe, right? 
you just watch what he does and you can't help but be impressed. Right. I mean, he is just when he's on the field, right. And, and up until this year, he's been pretty, he's been pretty consistent, right. He's been the guy that you want on your team and and dominating. Right. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you watch some of these guys dropping the half pipe and I don't know if you guys have ever been on a mountain and, and stood at the top of a half pipe and looked down, but that is some scary shit. Of course. It's and it not only is it scary, it's not it's not a straight down drop. Those things curve in. So you're you're dropping into something that you can't even see what you're dropping into, right? Mm-hmm. And and Derek Henry, right? I mean, I, I wouldn't want to be looking at him when he's running at me, right? I mean, he's gonna yeah. run you over. So Derek Henry, those guys who do the half pipe, I mean that beyond impressed with them, right? And and same with Derek Henry, right? I'm I'm gonna miss him when he's out of the league. Only scarier thing might be if you got him on a roster and you don't really think you're going to win, how are you going to get that value from him, especially in the dynasty format? Yep, this time, time's running up. All right, so Derek Henry, there you go, folks. Five, let's call them NFL figures because we got an Adam Gase in there. That are likened to Olympic sports. Very well done. Very well done. Yeah, great segment there. All right. So, you know, let's talk a little bit about um, upcoming episodes as we wind the show down a little bit. Uh, the The first thing that, that I think we're going to get to is probably uh, a couple segments around trading, right? In our league, especially since the season resolved, we've had – as you'll find in your dynasty league, a little bit of turnover. We had two folks um, exit the league and two folks come in. They exited. Um, we didn't um, force them out. It was their choice. They just, you know, from the dynasty perspective, weren't able to put in the same commitment that is required, you know, which is a level above the commitment you need for redraft. Um, and from there, we brought in two folks who are definitely more seasoned, uh, both in fantasy. Uh, you know, and the interesting part is, you know, some trades started to go down with these new folks and with folks currently in the league. And there was some hot contested discussions about um, maybe some integrity or some evenness in those trades. And I'd love to get into those with. Uh, some of the folks involved uh, in our next segment. So we'll have some more guests on from the league. We'll talk trades. We're going to talk, um, you know, as the the draft ramps up, we just got the dates and the invitees to the, to the combine. We're going to talk combine numbers. We're going to walk you through all the, you know, top rookies out there, what to look for, landing spots and needs of each team. We got you covered on the offseason from a dynasty perspective, and we're looking forward to doing so. So coming up with um, the top three things that you would have done different in 2021, Tyler, I'm sure, you know, you had a good season. So maybe it was easy. Maybe it was hard. I'm not sure. Um, But when you look 2020 as uh, an outro here to the top three things that you would have done different, another Turtles top three. What do you what are you thinking in 2021? You're in the time machine. You're jumping back. What do you do different that puts you on top at the end of the year? And how can you use that to help your mindset going forward? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll just give you my quick list right here. I'll give you my three. So number one, it was definitely I need to save more fab dollars because when the late season games come around and mm. running backs and your quarterbacks have COVID – and you don't have any fab money, it's a real pain, I'll tell you that much. So, so that's so definitely my goal. I got to save more money. Do you remember who you blew it on? Because I remember, oh, what man. was it, week four, week five? You oh, were at Zip. man, I couldn't even tell you. That's 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 what it really that's what it's really about. I couldn't even tell you who I blew it on. Okay. See, I remember I made one big spend, I think, in the year early on. It was uh, K.J. Hamler. And Jerry Judy, boom, boom, week one, or was it week two with Denver down? I threw 21 or 22 bucks out, which I thought was, you know, a fifth of my budget. That's big on Tim Patrick. Um, and you guys know how that played out. He was 
fine. But if you're in Dynasty with 25-man rosters times 12 people, you got a guy like Tim Patrick who can what? Nine to twelve points. You could throw that into a flex if he if he gets some extra yardage, extra grabs could get you in the fifteen range, uh, fourteen to fifteen. That's that's what you're looking at. Do you want to be able to grab Elijah Mitchell? Sure, but that's mostly in redraft. Elijah Mitchell, and again, twenty five times twelve. Um, that's what. Help me with the math, guys. That's the top three hundred players, right, off the board. Uh, even those guys are gone. So are there diamonds in the rough? Yes. Let's not tell you differently. If you had Duke Johnson and you put him in the, you, you picked him up and played him in the right spots, you were pretty happy with some 20 plus point performances, but that's a really good one. When you want to spend that dollar on Duke, you got to have the dollar or someone's going to get him if you're only bidding zero. Yep. Big one. I, I, I'm kind of upset that you realized that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I got Dante Foreman late in the season, which was which was good because he really did a great job for uh for Derrick Henry's absence. That's true. That's true. Um, but I think my second thing would be really focus on getting more quarterbacks. Like in the draft, hindsight's twenty twenty, but I should have one hundred percent drafted at least four startable quarterbacks. Um, I mean, for me. COVID was huge in this season with my players. I was starting Andy Dalton in the semifinals because Lamar was still had this ankle injury in big quotations, whatever he was dealing with. Um, so I think focusing more on the uh, quarterback position is crucial in a dynasty super flex league because you don't know what's going to happen throughout the year and you do not want to be starting bottom 25 quarterbacks. Yeah, I think for a while, too, he had, um, I think the technical term is Chipotle poops. Yeah. Right? He, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. There were there were some games he was spending a quarter or more just uh, Chipotle pooping it up yep. in the locker room. Just unfortunately, just, yeah. oh, man. So, uh, so Brian, pulling, pulling you in on that point, you're another guy. You got, you got two QBs. You're good. But you've also taken a pretty – shotgun approach to try to get that next qb you are are you hoping that you get at least one more from your uh from your bench qbs or, or are you looking to really have that four qb rotation that tyler's talking about yeah you know i i think at least one of the guys i have in my bench is gonna gonna play out this year um you know a lot of a lot of qbs turn changing hands in free agency you got you know brady retiring you got big ben retiring you got you know potentially aaron Rodgers on the move you know, you got, uh, you know, and, and teams with, with some QB needs, right? Carolina, Denver, um, you know, there, there's there's some uh, there's some opportunity out there. So I'm, I'm hoping, you know, Mariota, Trubitsky, um, you know, even even Minshew might get traded and, and he might end up on a new team um, mm-hmm. where you can see opportunity to be a starter. So, yeah, I, I'd love for one of those guys to hit and, and have a have a backup option, uh, you know, on my roster, I think. You know, Tyler. you got Trask too, right? You got Trask. I do have Trask too. Yep, I'm, I'm, I'm not hanging my hat on Trask being the guy, but uh, I think Tampa Bay's uh, in it to win it now, and I don't think Trask is is their guy to to win it now. So I, mm-hmm. I think they'll probably make a move for somebody. But uh, there you go. Yeah, no, I, I, I'd love to see one of those guys hit, but you know, we'll, we'll see how the draft plays out. There's a couple interesting guys. Yeah, you're not in bad shape, BD. You're you're definitely not in bad shape. All right, so so there you have it. You got to have Fab. You got to have three plus QBs, especially when we're talking buys and we're talking injury and we're talking COVID. What do you got for number three, Turtle? Well, basically, I said it earlier, but these uh, older running backs and older wide receivers are not going to last forever. Mm. So, got to really decipher when it's time to sell them and to start acclimating accumulating more and more first round picks even second round picks to be honest with you you know i just think that focusing on the picks is super important in this to uh really be able to compete long term so let's take a minute guys and talk about um you know let's draw lines in the sand for these various position groups right because they're all different you know uh i had tom brady I thought, you know, that line's going to be 45. I knew he would die on my team. I just thought it would be next year. He did the uh, did the surprise retirement. Obviously, 
prior to him in Breeze, even 38, 39, 40, unimaginable you'd have QBs playing, especially at a high level. Um, we're talking dynasty. We got some some older heads that are coming. You know, they're they're aging. They're not Big Ben age. Um, but you got my guy, Matt Ryan. He's 36, right? Uh, but he's not he's not a big name. Let's talk about some of the other ones who are are elite. You got Aaron Rodgers. You got Russell Wilson. Uh, if I if I could get a age check on him, I'd guess he's what 30, is he, 30, 33? 33. 33. When you're building a dynasty roster and you got a draft class in 22, which could have two to three, maybe even more first round QBs. You got next year where you're definitely going to have a handful of first rounders and some elite ones at that. I mean, the one, two could be Stroud and those, those type of guys. Um, where's your line in the sand for the QB? You know, is, are, are we talking if it's 33 and it's Russ, if you're the Russ holder, are you looking to, uh, to say goodbye? If you're the Rogers holder, are you looking to say goodbye and get that first round, those multiple first round picks? Because based off the name, um, with QBs in Superflex, is it better to sell one year too early or one year too late like me? Mm. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I think it's, I mean, honestly, I think it's going to be interesting. You know, the league's really shifted towards these uh, running QBs, you know, in, in the last, you know, X number of years, right? Call it five years, right? Yeah. And I mean, Matt, you were even making this point to me uh, the other day, right? And, in, in, you know, with Lamar, it's like, I mean, who knows, right? I mean, he's he's a running back, right? And if you look at the running back cliff, it's twenty eight, right? I mean, yep. It does twenty eight the cliff, and, and yeah. you'll hear, and, and listeners can can search for themselves. A lot of the sites are, you know, you'll you'll hear that professional, and I'm putting that in quotations. Advice is twenty six is the line in the sand for a running back. Yeah. I tend to agree with with Brian. You're going to have a lot of people fading around that time. Right. You see that with Zeke Elliott and stuff like that. But you are going to have running backs who can push beyond that 27, 20. I mean, is Aaron Jones going anywhere? I mean, sure, he might not be your top five to eight guy. But um, if you have Aaron Jones as an RB2, I think you're happy. Yeah, you know? he's, he's a valuable um, asset. So, so yeah, very, very interesting. With those running QBs, if – you can't throw as good as these the Rodgers and the Bradys who can play into their you know late thirties, early forties. What becomes of you? It, it's an interesting uh, dynamic, and it's something that we probably don't have enough data to your point, Brian, to know really. Because if we're only five years into the movement, um, we're forecasting as yeah, to when I mean, that is, cliff's going to be. You know, is is Cam Newton the? Uh, is he the the? You know what's going to happen with these guys in the future? Are they going to age out at thirty, thirty-one, thirty-two, and and start mm-hmm. to turn into you know what a thirty-eight, thirty-nine-year-old pocket passer would be? Yeah. Maybe I, I don't know, right? I mean, there's there's a lot of questions. Yep. So, yep, interesting one there. Uh, what do you guys think? You know, we don't need to spend too much time uh, on it, but I'll throw out there the wide receiver position just because we were talking about the importance of it. It's not just in our league starting three spots, right? In any dynasty format, the longest asset that is going to um, give you the biggest advantage will be a wide receiver. QBs are a close second, but the the week-to-week variance um, of the wide receiver position, even at the elite level, can make or break you much more than the higher floor that most QBs provide, right? So when you're talking – and Tyler, let's pull you in there. You have elite assets at your top two wide receiver spots. Um, I I don't know that we – it's even fair to call Tyreek old. But uh, Devante, older, let's say, and – about to get a massive contract. So maybe if you see a front office give the money, should we as fantasy owners be scared? Or, or what's your position on, on the, the late 20-year-old wide receivers? 
I mean, I, I personally think that these wide receivers um, hit their prime at 29 and that, that that physical prime of their best football years goes till they're at least 31, maybe going on 32. So until I see that age limit of 32, I feel very comfortable um, with these assets on my team. I, I don't I don't see a steady decline. They're they're too they're too good. They're too QB proof. And uh, I think I think the sky's the limit for them. Really, if they if, as long as Devonte goes to um, a team with a with a at least competent quarterback, doesn't need to be an all star quarterback. He's going to still put up those numbers that we've seen for years and years and years. So I say thirty-two, and then maybe ship them off. Mm, okay. Well, hopefully you get someone who can buy them at at that age. Again, I'll stress. It's probably better to be a year too early selling someone than a year too late. Yes. I think I think the drop off is if you see you know, say you ride out Devontae Adams age twenty nine, age thirty season, you sell him, he goes to a team, has a great year thirty one. Hey. Then you see, you know, maybe you're you're feeling a little regret I could have had it. But when you see that age thirty two potential season and there's a big dip you're going to be happy you got what you got, especially if you're sending them out off for some elite draft capital, up-and-coming players, what have you, another position that you have of need on the roster. So all all things to think about. Yeah, and and what, I, what I'm hearing is if you're a Jamar Chase or a Just, Justin Jefferson holder, you are loving life. Absolutely. You have 10 years, I mean, 10 years minimum with those guys. <laughs> 20, 22? 22 and 20, is it? Or is Chase 21 now? He's twenty one. Just could buy a beer. I, yeah. I thought he was. I thought he was twenty when he was drafted. I could. I could be wrong on that, but Let's, yeah. Just incredible. Just and who else? Who else would you put in that young wide receiver tier like that? I mean, that's that young. I mean, obviously you got Tyreek's elite. Um, I mean, are you comfortable saying just below those guys, or or maybe there is no tier two? But uh, who's the next t- uh, tier two of young wide receivers, right? Of who's below that? Is that like not the tier below, but the tier below that tier three, call it? Is that where DK and AJ Brown are? Or are they sneaking into the tier right below Jefferson and Chase in your opinion? Honestly, they're, they're right below, but I'm also putting Waddle in that same tier with DK and AJ Brown. From what yeah, we are, he's a, target, he's a target hog and he is going to be a player in this league for a long time. Yeah, and, and I'll put a asterisk on DK, right? I if if Russ moves, right? I, I mean, I, I think you can't expect the same DK, right? I mean, there's there's only so many QBs in the league with the accuracy of Russ. Mm. Sure, you know. Sure. So, well, I mean, guys, I, I, yeah. So, I, I would say I could talk to you guys about this all day. There's there's so much to talk about um even on the off season we don't have we're not watching football now we got one game left and then and then what do we got uh arena football league or xfl or i don't know what but we're gonna have a full off season let's get into this let's have some fun um but we're, we're a little over the hour mark so any last words or we'll go ahead and wrap it up for today no i thought this was a. I, I i thought this was great um i'm, I'm happy with how it went I, you know, all of us uh, first-time podcasters here, so I, I think that went uh, this this went real well. Yeah, yeah. As totally Brian agree. said, if uh, if there's any ums or ahs or things we can do better, we're 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 all, we're three guys who take that feedback and incorporate it and do things better. So uh, give us a little bit of a break. Let us know, um, and uh, yeah, we're looking forward to talking to you guys again soon. Thanks. I look real good today. 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 Jumping out the motherfucking Bentley. Keep rolling in a gas and new Balenci's. Yeah. Walking with a pocket full of Benji's. Catch. I'm a 10 piece.